This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fire Team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Today on the show, I have Kenyon Zitka. He's a 22-year enlisted Navy veteran. He just retired March 1st and currently lives with his family in Charleston, South Carolina. He is the host of the Zero Excuses Podcast, to help men build rock solid discipline so they can regain control of their time, build wealth, and improve the health and form of meaning and form meaning relationships. Kenyon, welcome to the show. Hey man, thanks for having me. I'm I'm super stoked to be here. And uh, you know, I, I I'm just like I said, beyond stoked to that you've uh invited me on the show and ready to rock this. I'm beyond stoked to have you. You're 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 uh you're ahead of me on this podcast journey. So I always like talking to legends or future legends in the industry. <laughs> I want to be like well, I know that guy. I knew him before everybody knew him. Yeah, well, I you know, it's it's gone by really really fast and I at times I still kind of feel like I'm uh you know, get my feet on the floor here in this whole pod, podcasting space and and you know, I I love reaching, you know, reaching out and helping people along uh their personal journeys, uh, getting a podcast started and, and, you know, it, it goes by fast and, you know, it's, it's been a very humbling journey. I, I just had my first, uh, thousand download day and, uh, I'm sure yours will be, uh, hopefully, hopefully will uh, happen a little bit sooner than, uh, than mine did, but you know, it's, it's a heck of a journey and, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see folks like you sharing their messages, uh, their stories and, you know, helping other people, uh, with their struggles. So it's, it, you know, there, there can't be enough of us uh, stepping up to the plate. Go ahead and describe what your family looks like right now and any gaps that intro you want to fill us in on. Sure. Well, right now I'm, uh, you know, about to, uh, hit my 10 year, uh, anniversary this year with my wife, Jamie, we got married, uh, August 1st, 2009. And, uh, you know, within, within a few months, I got hit up with my, uh, my first deployment, uh, you know, right after we got married, but, uh, you know, today we've got a uh, four-year-old daughter, Piper, and uh, we just moved down to Charleston a couple years ago because uh, we actually were trying to get back on active duty. Uh, I was reserve uh, when I retired, and uh, you know, we kind of had the the itch to be part of the uh, full-time active duty family once again. My wife has o- always mentioned to me that she kind of wished she met me while I was on active duty, so she can have that, uh, that military, uh, community around her and, and, you know, something she was after. And, mm-hmm. and, um, that was something that we, you know, were, were hunting after. And I had reached a point in my career where it was a little bit too late in the game for me to, uh, for, for the Navy to bring me back on active duty. They were looking for more mid career guys to uh, come back on active duty. So I started looking for uh, civilian jobs, uh, working as an engineer for the Navy and, and uh, really didn't pan out. Then I then I kind of stumbled upon this uh, organization called NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Um, they needed a port engineer for one of their ships, which happened to be a uh, a former Navy ship stationed at the former Navy base here in Charleston. And my office just happens to be uh, a former senior enlisted uh, hangout spot uh, back in the day. So it was kind of like uh, kind of like I was on active duty again, and and there's still uh, the Naval Weapons Station and Air Force Base here. So there's still a strong military pre- presence here in the Charleston community. So it was everything we figured uh, out what uh, I figured out. So I th- and you probably noted this, like the, yeah. the GS, the civilian rating system for civilian employees is yeah. the same as the military ranking system. And yeah. with all, they get all the same benefits, but 100% less the BS. And I was like, well, that's where I should have been. 
Like, <laughs> you really get everything else except you don't have the commitment. You don't have to be told what to do. You're not held to some military standard. You don't have the UCMJ. You're in that same spot. You're, you get to be surrounded with community and you get to be a civilian. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's still, there's, you know, there's still plenty of uh, red tape that you have to go through and, you know, being wise with uh, taxpayer dollars and, and whatnot. But yeah, but yeah, you don't got to worry about the haircuts. You don't got to be worried about the clean shave every day or worried yeah, about yeah. clothing matching. It's, yeah, it's definitely a little bit less, a uh, little less strenuous. But, uh, you know, we're, it's, it's definitely a good work environment. And, and a lot of uh, the crew members are former military. And if they're, if they're not former military, they have that military-like uh, discipline and, and uh, work ethic. So it's been, uh, it's been everything I've, we've wanted and, and, uh, and more. I might get set to dive school later this year. Um, you know, they've got, uh, plenty of educational opportunities here within NOAA and, uh, we're doing some really cool work, um, you know, with the ship doing, uh, doing dives on reefs, uh, doing fisheries research, uh, doing oceanographic mapping. Uh, the ship has actually found, uh, wrecks of World War II German U-boats off the coast of uh, the Carolinas here. So some really, really unique stuff. And, uh, it's cool to be a part of that. What's the, before we dive into your story, what's the coolest thing that no one knows about NOAA? That you can share with us. Uh, just that Noah has a core of about 300 uh, commissioned officers, and not too many people know all seven uh, branches of uniformed services uh, that the government has. So you've got your Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, and you also have the U.S. Public uh, Health Services, which has a similar rank structure as the Navy, and then you also have the Noah Corps, which is also a uh you know follows the navy and coast guard rank structure so it's it's only um officers but um you know it's 300 you know you know uniform wearing uh commissioned officers that uh that drive the ships and and do the uh you know fly at the NOAA aircraft the same contract and like like signing up for four years or six years yes it's uh it's very similar they don't have like i said they don't have enlist enlisted uh folks they have uh wage grade mariners and and civilian mariners that man the, you know man the ships uh do all the grunt work i guess but um the only thing that they don't have is they're not subject to the ucmj <laughs> like you mentioned <laughs> so they're a great so, part of it yeah so uh they've, they've they have all the you know benefits of um you know military service just they they aren't subject to the uh ucmj because they work for the department of commerce you have to wonder where like the round tables where these things were invented. You're like, we're going to copy this command structure because we really like how it's got, but you know what? They come with a lot of baggage. So we're just going to take the best parts and then we're going to bring it over to Noah. And then we're only going to bring the officers because maybe the people at the round table had a thing against enlisted people. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But the, uh, you know, the Noah Corps has its uh, roots, you know, they, it was, uh, the, the mission that Noah does was originally a Navy mission. Then they, uh, spun it off into the U.S. I'm going to butcher this, but the U.S. Coastal and Geodetic Survey Commission or That's something. Yeah. So if you, you know, then NOAA was created, I believe in 1972 or just, they renamed that organization NOAA to, you know, to uh, better, better describe its mission. And then, uh, you know, they became NOAA Corps at that point. So, you know, they, they, they do have their roots in, in naval tradition, but they're kind of their own service nowadays. And, uh, you know, NOAA has a, a fleet of 18 ships that it uh, owns and maintains uh, purely for government purposes. So they, they uh, man those ships. How many kids do you have? One. How old? Uh, Piper. She's four. I like that. How, so what's the story behind her name? I feel like that has a story uh, behind You know, we, we were, we were just going back and forth and, and, you know, the whole, you know, as I'm sure you can imagine the whole, uh, you know, birth of your child, that just seems like a blur, but we were just like, you know, she was born and, you know, we, she was born via C-section. So my w- wife and I were in the recovery room and was like looking at her. So what's your name? What is your name? And just, we both, we both fell in love with the, the, the name Piper. I think, uh, orange is the, orange is the new black was a popular show at the time. And, um, one of was the main characters that you went into with, uh, no, we had like Harper and I forget what the short list was and Piper wasn't really on the short list, but we wanted something unique. And, and, you know, I, I always, we always kind of do the, 
the rough and tumble camping and hiking and kind of outdoorsy type stuff. So we wanted to kind of have a name that was kind of rough and tumble. I, I don't know if Piper is actually that, but like when we thought of that character on just the new black, that, that name kind of resonated with us and we're like ah, Piper and we both look at each other, nod our heads and rest is history. As they say, we have a similar uh, oddity with our first child. So maybe like, two weeks before because it's stressful trying to pick that first name oh yeah and we picked zoe we're like ah it's finally over and then my sister decided to organize an intervention and calls me up and says you can't name your child zoe she's going to be in an interview one day and no one's going to take her serious because zoe is just this childhood name that adults couldn't have and so at that point it was cursed we couldn't do it so then we went into the then we were like we don't really know but we went into the hospital with Zoe and Brooklyn or not Zoe and Brooklyn, Brooklyn and Sophia. I was more on the Brooklyn side. I didn't realize it, but her, my wife's doctor was on the Sophia side and we also had a C-section and she pulls her out and says, Oh, she looks like a Sophia. And at that moment I was doomed. It was over. <laughs> she was so <Sophia. laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. I got the middle name, I'm, Sophia Grace. We went, I, I went with uh, Grace for the middle name, but. Yeah. We went with Avery. I don't, I, I forget the, I can't recall the story of that. We were just like, well, our last name is Z Zetska. So we're like, we got to, we got to balance this out somehow, I guess. So Avery, uh, I don't know. It just, it just, it just rang Piper Avery. So made sense to us. So let's dive in. When you hear the words come home, what do those mean to you? Um, it, It means more than just physically being present, like being like physically present in the home, you have to be mentally and, and um, even spiritually present as well. Um, you know, I'm far from perfect uh, at, at this, by, by, by all means, it's something I struggle with um, to this day. But I think I'm, I'm, you know, I've made a lot of progress in this, uh, in this area. But, you know, you, it doesn't matter how tough your day was at work, how tough things were, you know, whether, whether you're still in the military or, or working a nine to five civilian job, you you know, when you walk through that, you know, the threshold of your door, uh, you know, your kids are going to, you know, are going to be excited to see you and, and, and your wife needs you to be there to, uh, take care of, take care of business around the house. Cause, uh, she's probably had a tough day too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's being, it's taking that strategic pause before, you know, when you, you know, put your vehicle in park, maybe take a few minutes to, uh, compose yourself. Um, you know, even on, on the way home, maybe listen to something uh, motivating to get your mind right for walking through the door. Cause you know, whether your ki- your kids might be, uh, crying on the floor and things are a mess and you got to be that, you know, that steady, that steady hand that comes in and calms the situation. Or even if they, they're excited that you're home and, and want to go out and play, you have to have that energy left over. You, ha- you can't ha- come home with your uh, tank on E every single day and mm-hmm. expect to uh, walk through the door go in the fridge, crack open a beer and sit on the couch uh, the rest of the night. You know, Did you, you always crush be... coming home or was there a time where you were the opposite of coming home where you're maybe the traditional service member where they focus on their service and don't necessarily recognize to play a role in the family yet? You know, I, I've always been fairly mindful of this. And when I was on active duty, I, I met my wife after I left full-time active duty. And when I was deployed, I was deployed overseas. So, um, so there was that space and that distance. And, um, but, but it, it was never, I'm trying to try and pick the right words here. But when I first got married, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot easier because it was, it was just me and my wife. Mm-hmm. But now that, and this is why I retired at 22 years versus going to uh, 30. It, it, it definitely um, adds to the complexity of the situation. Once you bring a child into the situation and, and I did struggle with that um, at first because um, I, I was working long hours. Um, I, I was miserable in my job and, and I felt like I was just kind of going through the motions every single day. And, um, you know, it's kind of what drove me to start looking back into active duty because I kind of, it was, uh, more of a familiar situation that I could, uh, go back to. And, um, you know, I knew how to handle those types of stresses and I knew how to, uh, conduct myself, uh, in the confines of the military setting. 
And that, that was one of the things that I struggled with leaving active duty and enjoying the civilian workforce was, um, was carrying that discipline forward uh, that I learned in the military and applying that to my, my relationships at home, my civilian roles at my nine to five jobs and, and everywhere else outside the military. So that, that's kind of where I, I really, you know, recognize that I needed to do some work and start to uh, build systems and habits and routines into my day so that I can take care of myself. Because one of the things that I think I, one of the mistakes I made is I put my wife and my daughter ahead of my own uh, well-being, and I I was really um, burning myself out because I wasn't taking taking care of myself first. And I think that's where a lot of uh, new dads and, and new parents struggle is they they feel like they have to prioritize the child. And don't get me wrong, that child is a huge priority. But if you aren't showing up to the table with um, you know a good mindset full of energy and, you know, taking care of your health and, and your body and, and everything else, you can't fully show up to help other people. And I was getting that completely wrong. Um, I gained a lot of weight and, and I just was not, I was burned out every day. I, I would come through the door and, and, and almost dread walking through the door, not because I didn't want to see my family or anything, just because I was wore out. I knew that there was still, um, still hours to go in my day. Um, you know, because having a newborn, um, sometimes they don't like to, they don't necessarily let you get a uh, full night's sleep and, and, you know, you want to get that full night's uh, sleep some nights because, you know, you got to wake back up and do it all over again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, you hit on a lot of points there. The one that I had to learn in my own marriage was, uh, that recognizing that your kids are going to betray you. It's a guaranteed certainty. And to make sure that your wife is prioritized over your kids isn't what something is naturally ingrained in our society. I feel like a lot of people are living vicariously through their kids, so they prioritize mm -hmm. that way. Or they're also just thinking that that's where they need to be. But then they realize that they're living with a stranger when the kids leave and they've just stopped investing. And I think that's what happens a lot in the military is where the family does do that. They either focus on the service and the kids and they don't focus on themselves and then either the service ends or their kids move out and they don't have anything to, to work off of anymore. And the other part I think that you said there was, and I've really struggled with this is as much as you want your family to be successful, you can't be responsible for their happiness. It's that yeah. comes with, with your wife, your kids, like you have to be happy all on your own and you have to let everybody else be happy all on their own. And you can't carry that burden with you of making sure everybody is happy. That's it's just going to burn you out. I have tried so many different ways to try to prove myself wrong in that theory. And it's never worked out that I need to choose to be happy myself independently mm -hmm. model that you can support the people in your life, your wife, your kids, but recognizing that you are responsible for your happiness and they're responsible for their own happiness. Like no matter what they're going through, what life has them, you being gone, depression, mental health issues, doesn't matter. You, they can only come home on their own and, and vice versa, taking the mission to the other side that you need to be happy on your own. Same time, you need to help create the environment for everybody to feel safe, but it's not 100% our job to make, to outsource and make sure that everybody's happy in our life because we'll just get exhausted and we'll end up burning it out and we'll not actually know why. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you, you, you describe all this and what's coming to mind is we all need to have a vision for ourselves and, and a mission for ourselves. Once we uh, take the uniform off, whether that's, um, you know, like I did recently, or, or if you do, if you're planning on taking the uniform off uh, soon, it's important to have that vision. And I, I kind of fell into the trap of, of checking, you know, those boxes that society tells us we ought to be checking, like, you know, having that mortgage and the, in the house and, you know, the white picket fence and stuff. And, and, you know, thinking that, Hey, if I just get the next thing, then I'll be happy. It, you Damn really have to, Joneses, they just keep yeah. going. They just keep going as fast as anybody can keep up. And it's so yeah. true that keeping up with the Joneses is no way to live your life. Yeah. And, and you know what, if you want to live like a caveman, you know, going fishing and, and, and grabbing a grabbing a fish out of the stream and, and 
shoved in your mouth and that's the way you want to live, then, you know, that's, that's the way you ought to live your life. Don't let someone else dictate to you what mm-hmm. your ideal life should be. And, and you need to have a clear picture of that before you can form one with another partner, you know, whether that's a wife or, or a boyfriend, girlfriend, what, what have you, or a business relationship. You need to have a, 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 a vision for where you want to go, a mission, so to speak. And once you're clear on that, then, then I think you'll have a solid foundation to start to build your own happiness. And, and that's where it starts. In episode 16, I spoke with a uh, active duty army guy, Kirby Ingalls, and he talks about having a vision board for the family to all see and all yeah. buy into of where they want to go and to making sure that that story aligns with their actions, their words, how they live their life, what they choose to bring into their life. Because reminding yourself constantly where you want to go is a good way to make sure you get where you want to go. Yeah. And most of the, in 99% of the population, I don't know if that's an accurate statistic, but I see the vast majority of people just going through the motions. It can feel like 99%. Yeah. Yeah. It it definitely feels like 99%. But, um, the, the, the other uh, factor is that when you start to do things that only 99% of people actually dream of, you're going to be regarded as one of the outcasts, one of the weirdos, so to speak, you know, do, doing a lot of things that the majority of society tends to uh, not do. And like vision boards or having a vision is one of those things. So you need to start thinking about, um, start thinking outside the box of like, if, if you start embarking on this journey to fulfill your vision, you're going to get a lot of, um, weird looks. You're going to get a lot of feedback or criticism. You're going to get a lot of, um, you know, family members saying you shouldn't do that. You should sit down at the table, be a good boy, get a regular nine to five job. And, you know, not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, that's the, that's what society will tend to pressure you into. And doing. you have to be careful because the people closest to you are going to want to keep you safest, especially parents. Yes. That the one thing your parents want is the one thing that's going to keep you having a mediocre life. Absolutely. Absolutely. When we were getting out of uh, debt, the uh, Dave Ramsey phrase, live like no one else so that later you can live like no one else. Like that was something constantly on my mind that late right now I'm going to live like no one else. And so later I'm going to live like no one else. There's a quote that I often like, think about even at the gym or different things it says uh today i'm going to do things that others won't so tomorrow i can do things that others can't yep and another another one of the quotes that i like is uh if you do difficult things life will be easy if you try to do easy things life will be difficult i like that one as well talks about the resistance and going leaning into the resistance to to grow yourself absolutely and 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 the other thing about having a, a vision and a mission for yourself is that once you decide that, yes, this is it, um, you'll start finding those pieces. You can't help but start to find those pieces of the puzzle. Um, I like the kind of the way that I like to describe this to people is uh, share a story about me buying my first brand new car. I actually bought it while I was on my last, uh, deployment aboard ship. They'd bring the, uh, exchange, uh, car sales reps. And car could, salesman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I bought it. I bought it. I bought a 2003 uh, Mustang GT, bright blue. So um, it, it wasn't ready for me right when I got back. So it was still being built and getting shipped to me. But once I got back, I started seeing every <laughs> everybody who was driving a bright blue Ford Mustang GT at the time. I couldn't help but see everybody. Like that's what everybody was driving. I was like, man, everybody bought the same car I did. But that's that's the um the affinity bias at work you start find once you start set your sights on something and set your sights on a vision you're gonna you you can't help but see those opportunities you can't help but find those pieces of the puzzle and it starts coming together it's just like when i when i wanted to get back on active duty i found like it it didn't exactly work out the way i wanted to but it was it came pretty damn close like i found those opportunities so that's the other thing that, that having a, a vision that having a solid vision, like a found or a, a vision. So you have a solid foundation. That's why it's so important. I love that. Where do you describe your own vision? Well, 
how much time we got? <laughs> no, in a nutshell, what's the abridged just, version? The abridged version is is that um, I have multiple streams of passive income that support me and my family's lifestyle, which includes um, being location independent. That I am able to um, influence and help other people achieve their dreams and goals, which is why I started my podcast. Um, you know, that's one of the biggest things that I've loved, uh, about my 22 years in, in the Navy is, is I helped other people, uh, get go places in their careers, advise them, mentored them, uh, gave them hard skills and, and whatnot. And that's what I want to, uh, help people do outside the military as well. And some of the other activities that, that I want to be able to do is, um, you know, go on a, like being in location independent well, at least during the summer times when school's out, we can just pack ourselves into an RV or travel trailer um, and just go on a road trip for, for a couple months at a time. And, you know, still being able to provide um, value, still being able to uh, influence and help people get their goals. And, and that's, that's the beauty of being in the day and age that we are, the internet age, being able to, you and I are having a conversation right now you're, you're in Wisconsin. I'm in South Carolina. You know, we can, uh, you know, as long as I have an internet connection, which is pretty easy to find these days, can go travel anywhere and everywhere. And that's my, my dream is just to have as many uh, life experiences as possible and share that with my wife and, and my daughter. And, you know, I, I think the more that you get out of your comfort zone, not, not necessarily being tied down by, having that mortgage that that house that you have to take care of and um five hundred dollar you know, car payment for the car that you really don't yeah need. yeah exactly People trade a lot of happiness for a five hundred dollar car payment oh i know and and what it boils down to is is shifting shifting your mindset from trading time for money and trading money for time and having time to do what you want and live life on your terms Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my grant. Like if that's kind of like the abridged version of my, uh, my vision for myself, I definitely want to get in back into auto racing too. We, we did, my brother and I did that back in the early two thousands while I was still on active duty. would love to get back into it. Uh, my daughter, uh, you know, you talk about living a little vicariously through uh, their kids. I think I'm doing that a little bit with my daughter cause, uh, we've, uh, taken her to some races and, uh, I bought her some, uh, kids racing. That's just uh, making sure books. she follows in your footsteps. Yeah. Decision yeah. insurance policy. But uh, she, she's already told me she wants a uh, pink and pink and purple number 18 uh, quarter midget. So, uh, so that's another uh, piece of the puzzle, getting my daughter a uh, little quarter midget to get her started in racing uh, this year, maybe next year. So that's good lead into the next question. What are some simple ways that you connect with your kids? I'm a firm believer that kids spell love T-I-M-E. What are the simplest things that you've done with your daughter that she remembers that you're like, really, that's what you remember? Oh man. Um, that's an, that's an interesting question. Something I, I really haven't, uh, you know, thought of, but I really think that, um, just finding ways to share your life with your kids. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's, there's nothing that stops me from bringing my daughter to work with me really, as long as I'm not in a super industrial, uh, setting, I can, uh, I can, you know, bring her aboard the ship. And I think the, her being able to experience uh, walking the deck plates of a ocean going vessel. And she's also like, I've, I've um, embarked on the ship uh, during our last, uh, at the end of our last uh, field season, I rode the ship back from Key West, uh, from Key West to Charleston here. And my wife and daughter met me on the pier. Well, I didn't get to experience like a proper homecoming. Uh, while I was on deployment because I was single stationed in Hawaii or, or Virginia beach. Actually, my, my brother came, was, uh, was there, uh, last time I came back, uh, on my last float. But anyways, I really didn't have a huge homecoming. So that was kind of her seeing her jumping up and down on the pier while my ship was, uh, approaching the pier was a big memory I have. And I sure, I'm sure is going to be a big memory for her because, um, you know, she's asking me about the ship you know, even at four years old, like daddy, how's the ship? How are the diesel engines? You know, this, you know, having that memory, like, you know, my dad brought me on the museum ship 
trips uh, that were in Buffalo, New York. When I was growing up, we spent time on those, uh, you know, in Boy Scouts, we, we camped, camped aboard the ships and, you know, I had that memory growing up and she's going to have a very similar memory growing up. And those are some of the fondest things that I remember about my childhood. And I, I'm just grateful that I get, I have the chance to also do that for, uh, for Piper and, and my wife. Cause, uh, she, you know, she, her, her sister was in the, in the Navy and got to experience a little bit of that, but, uh, her being involved with that, I think, uh, think is good for, for us as a, a family. I like that. And the part that as dads, we often get hung up on is you just think you need to overcomplicate it. But in reality, like my kid's favorite thing to do is go to the library and to go mall walking, which is just going to the mall before the store is open and walking inside and riding the rides in the middle. Like, Oh yeah. That is literally the number one thing. If I ask them what to do, that's what they're going to want to do is can we go mall walking? <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the other thing that she loves is, um, I was lucky to find a, a CrossFit gym here locally that, that does like a fit family day. And I've been bringing her since, uh, since last year, she was uh, three at the time. And you know, it was a little bit intimidating for her at first, but once she got involved with some other kids, um, you know, she's doing burpees and, and jumping on a rower and, you know, she's not like crushing like 20 burpees at once, but she's like getting into like, she's seeing me, exercise and it's it's getting that foundation of fitness and health um started at a very early age you know that's that's another thing that she loves to do is like daddy can we go to the big gym today it's like no we only can only go on saturdays and she's wanting to go want to go pretty pretty regularly <laughs> so i can't wait for her to get older and uh you know i'm sure that might be something that uh that we do together and and uh you know as she gets older something we can do uh on a regular basis together. We've started doing push-ups in the, the evening, just in the living room, just like five push-ups, and we all get laid down on the floor and we all do them and like that's something they're looking forward to now. And I have no idea what that little thing's gonna do to them later on in life, but I, it's not gonna be negative. But I'm just like, I wonder what how much like actually getting excited about push-ups, because I hated push-ups. And the Marine Corps <laughs> even reinforced how much I hated push-ups. And the idea that I'm doing now with my kids to get them excited about something like push-ups. I have no idea what that's going to do, but I mean, I'm interested to, to watch and see where it goes. Yeah. When, when we do push up, she jumps on my back. So. My youngest said that. She was <laughs> I can't do them. I can't do them. But she's only two, but now she's getting, she's been moving into doing them on her own now, but yeah. Oh, it's, it's fun. Yep. What do you want your daughter to say about you when she's at a bar talking to her friends? What do you think that she'll um, say about you? My dad can kick your dad's ass. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, just that, um, man, there's so, there's, there's so much that I probably would like her to say, but if I can narrow it down to one thing, it, it, it'll be that I can talk to my dad about anything like that, that I, that I, that I don't judge her for the choices that she's made in her life and that I don't, that, that I'm a, I guess a safe, safe space for her to, to express how she's feeling. I'm approachable uh, for advice and whether um, she does the most off the wall thing, it's, it's okay for me to tell dad like, Hey, I, this is what I did. You know, it wasn't the best decision, but I'm comfortable telling you about it because I know you're going to help me in the end. So that's what I want her yeah. to, I think at the end of the day, um, that, that'll cover a lot of things there. This question is born out of a friend that I was, I was at a uh, dad's event and he says, I've learned to measure the things that happen in my kid's life by what's going to really freaking matter when they're at a bar talking with their friends. Mm -hmm. Like if it's not on that scale of like, is this really going to affect how they think of me? And when they're at a bar with their friends talking about me, then it's not really that big of a deal. But then also consciously making sure that you are thinking about like, what are those things that you want her to think about? So then you can constantly invest in those areas. Yes. To ensure that that outcome does come true. Absolutely. And you know, kids, they're, they're, they're going to grow into their own, their own, they're going to be their own person at the, you know, once everything's said and done. And I want her to understand that, 
she's she's free to be who she truly wants to be and that I will love her unconditionally. She doesn't have like we can I can buy her a, a go-kart this year and her not be interested in doing that anymore and that's okay. Like it's okay for you to not be interested in the same things I'm interested in. It's mm-hmm. okay for you to have your own interests, your own dreams and that that's what I want ultimately for you. It, like you don't have to you know become interested in racing just because I am interested in racing. If if you become disinterested in that and you want to you know ride ponies or or become a ballet dancer or whatever you want to be, be that person. And it's okay for you to change your mind too. I've often think about that question and connected to, uh, or I tell myself to like, I want my daughter to know that she's beautiful and enough. And like what other people think about her doesn't reflect how she has to think about herself. Yeah. Cause I feel like yeah. it's bad now. And I can only imagine when my daughter's seven. So when she's old enough to, to have those issues, like it's going to be a completely different world. I can't imagine what world at the pace we're moving now, but like just knowing that you're beautiful and enough and your opinion of yourself is the one that matters the most. Yeah. I mean, there's for, you're going to have your critics no matter what. So you might as well have critics being yourselves. Yeah. So, I mean, it, this this day and age, you can you can find as many people to give you positive feedback as you can negative, and yeah. and it doesn't matter who you are. You're you're gonna find those people no matter what. So just be yourself. So I was talking to a listener this morning, Jake, and he had a question about work life balance, being on active duty. His wife just completed her master's. And she's looking to try to, she has, he has two kids looking to branch out and start going back to work, but he's currently struggling with the balance of dealing with active duty requirements and and being away, but then also balancing the ambitions of his wife and just being present with his family. What advice would you send out to Jake when he's struggling with that balance between service family and his wife? You know, you know, my, my wife and I, we, we, uh, we kind of went through a similar situation back when I first was uh, deployed and, you know, it, I was finishing up school at the time and I did not have a, you know, I was deployed for 14 months to Djibouti, Africa. And I was finishing, finishing my uh, master's degree online while I was deployed there. And I didn't have a steady job uh, to come back to when, when, when I got done with my deployment. So the the roles were a little bit reversed. However, um, my wife wanted to be the you know the stay at home mom and you know take care of the kids in the house and whatnot. So that that that's what we what, what our vision for our marriage was from the get go. So it, it it just got to a point where she was like, "I'm ready to make this this change," and we didn't have a certain future but what was certain was our vision for what we wanted and we talked about that before we got married and we're like you know what if if your heart isn't in in teaching anymore then there's there should be no re- you know money should not be the reason why you continue to do this so mm-hmm. i basically i basically made the decision at that point if i if i can't find a way i'll make a way to make our vision or reality and we didn't go you know we didn't go through this complicated vision uh, process at that time i'm kind of using that to describe uh things at the time however um we just decided that you only live life once and if this is what you want decide to make it happen you have to move before you're necessarily ready and and i didn't have that job lined up at the at that particular point in time but it eventually happened. We were okay. We made it through that time. And it was a, it was a struggle. I was on unemployment for a little bit. And, you know, then I finally found a part-time job while I finished my studies and which, which manifested into a great full-time job. So it kind of works out. Just, just have confidence that whatever you and your wife's dream is, it will work out. And it may be very, very uncomfortable. Just decide that, uh, for the good of the family unit that 
however you need to make things work, um, decide to make it work. And, and that vision for yourself, you'll start to find those opportunities to, um, to make that dream a reality. Mm-hmm. So to kind of bring it back to Jake's um, um, situation, you just need to make the decision that you're going to, you know, that your wife's career is important to her and that your chain of command wants your family to be happy and wants to support you having kind of a worry-free environment for your family to excel in your career, Mm -hmm. for your wife to have a career and to, and to, you know, use your chain of command also to say, Hey, you know what, this is what's going on with my life. I mean, we, we have, we use the term intrusive leadership in the military for a reason and use that to your advantage. Your chain of command wants to help you, wants your family to be uh, happy so that you can deploy with, um, with without, stability. Not with stability. Money, so, so there's tons of resources that the military has just, uh, you know, communicate with your chain of command up and down the chain of command to get the resources in place for you to, uh, um, to make your family's, um, dream a reality. There's, uh, also, I'm not sure of, uh, Jake's, uh, you know, what age his kids are there in school or, or whatnot. But, On Facebook, they look like maybe six and four. Yeah. So there, there's a whole community, uh, where, where's Jake, uh, stationed at? His wife is in Florida and he's currently in uh, at some uh, educational place where he's stationed away from him right now. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, there's the whole military community as well. I mean, there's, you know, reach out to, uh, you know, I'll call them shipmates cause that's the term we used in, in the Navy. Reach out to your shipmates who can, who can help um, break, break uh, problems down into uh, you know, in, in resource out uh, your, you know, the, the solutions like who can help what resources can I uh, bring to the table? And, um, you know, it might seem like a complicated uh, problem to have, but um, break it down into its most simplest forms and, and tackle it one bite at a time. So uh, that's the advice I would, uh, I would offer Jake. I hope all that makes sense. Cause I, I it does. And I my, think my brain tends to go a million miles an hour. <laughs> mine does too as well. There's two other things I think that would add in there is aligning expectations between your spouse and your of you and your spouse of where mm-hmm. you expect each other to be to support each other successfully moving forward. And then also expectations or what you need from your chain of command. But then what we suck at most is probably the best advice is just keep talking about what you're feeling and what mm-hmm. you're going through with other people in your chain of command, your friends, because there are people out there that have walked this exact same problem and you're going to continue to get different pieces of the puzzle to help you put your puzzle together. And you, I think, best thing for this situation where it does feel stressful. It's not all on you. It's not on you to hold in what you're feeling. And it's important to keep talking about that with people around you, even in active duty. I know that's the opposite of what they tell you to keep talking about it, what you're feeling, but letting your chain of command know, because uh, Kirby reminded me of this on episode 16, that your chain of command is just like you said, they're there to support you being successful. You don't always have that feeling probably when you're, when you're going to work, but that is ultimately that to win in war, they need to have a successful family. That's why I'm not sure what the number is, but there's a reason why they spend millions and millions of dollars on family services because they know that creates the stability for the war machine that they're getting training to play with. So just being open, talking about it and aligning those expectations are probably what you said uh, just continue to, to reach out there for resources because they are out there. Yeah. And he probably, and Jake probably did the number one thing uh, that we all should be doing is, is just ask questions and ask for help. And yeah. that's the one thing that we, uh, especially as men, we suck at sometimes is, is asking for help and, and, uh, and, and recognizing that, Hey, you know what? I can't do this all on my own. So he's, he's, he's uh, miles ahead of uh, a lot of us probably because he's already asked for the help. What do you want the the legacy of the Zitka family to be? Um, you know, to put kind of put a put this concisely, I would want my name to be associated with someone who can be relied upon as someone who can help, no matter what. 
Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest things that I've, like I said before, enjoyed about being in the military is helping other people succeed and, and just adding value to, to the universe and having a, you know, just whatever my legacy is specifically, I want people to say, you know, Kenny and Zitska, I, I don't know where I would be without, you know, his help. And, and, you know, I, I'm confident that I'm doing that and what I'm doing now, um, will only serve to add to that. And it's not that, that I want that to be like from an egotistical standpoint, but I really, I really think that your success, it can be measured by the, um, by the, like you want to be a force multiplier in, in the military if you can make yourself obsolete, you know, you can advance your own career. But Mm -hmm. if you are that person that's like hanging on to everything that has all the corporate knowledge and make yourself indispensable, you're going to go nowhere. So I've always, I, I never want to be the person that hangs on to a secret. I want to share that with like, I love sharing my knowledge. I love sharing um, what's worked, what hasn't worked for me with the universe. And at the end of the day, like, that's what I want my family to be. Someone that, um, if someone reaches out for help, I can, we can be counted on for help. And I love what you're saying. And I've often repeated yeah. that Steve Jobs says like to make a dent in the universe. And it reminded yeah. me of a colloquialism that I just created as you were talking that if the <laughs> universe was a wall and someone was walking by it and someone was like, what's that mark from? Like, you want to be like, oh, yeah, that's Zitka Dent. Yeah, exactly. Like The Zitka's left yeah. that mark right there. Exactly. Hopefully it's a beautiful gold, you know, shines with gold, <laughs> not like uh, not like streak of the week style. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. What advice would you give a dad looking to come home to their marriage? Um, come home fully, fully present and um, – I don't want to say lower your expectations. Um, but if you, if, if you can show up whole as a person yourself, you can handle anything, whatever is waiting for you behind that door, that front door of your house. If you have, if, if you take care, care of your body, mind and soul, you can handle anything. And a lot of the stuff that we've seen as, you know, as service members, um, you know, what, what wait, awaits us behind closed doors generally, um, or the door of our front door of our homes generally pales in comparison to some things we've seen. So. Is there so, a mistake that you would uh, share with us from when you've come home, like maybe your 14 month deployment of to, to avoid other dads from walking into that pitfall? Um, you know, we were pretty early on in our marriage. So we were like, when I came home, I was deployed longer than we had been married. Ah, so you were almost still in the honeymoon. You kind of. Yeah. So we're in this honeymoon phase. phase. So, so it was like honeymoon all over, you know, it was just, we picked up where we left off because, you know, we're still kind of in that honeymoon phase and it was a honeymoon for two weeks after I got back. We just kind of kept that going. And, you know, I, I don't have any complaint. I really can't complain about. Is that honeymoon where anything. Piper come from? No, 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 no. <laughs> that's uh, that, that's that's a whole uh, that that was a bit of a struggle. Uh, we, we battled infertility and, and oh, a uh, number of things uh, to get to where we're at today. Um, so you really had to come home even further and go through even more stuff, even in your yeah, because that's I've I've haven't gone through it myself, but. I've I've met people that had, and my sister had to go through it, and it's not easy. You have to grow into part of your marriage that a lot of people don't have to, and yeah, and it can uh, it's it's a rocky road because uh, you know they're you know beyond the infertility, they're you know we unfortunately lost the pregnancy along the way as well. So um, it's just you really have to, and this is kind of where I think I've fallen short is that we're taught in the military to suppress our emotions because on the battlefield, our emotions can get us killed. And I even struggle to this day with this is, is being emotionally available for my wife. And 
and understanding that our perspective is different than our wives' perspectives. Our wives haven't had that experience. And that's not like to come across as demeaning or talking down. It's just, we have to remember that, that the things that, that register on their radar, it may not register on our radar, but that doesn't make their, that doesn't invalidate their feelings. And I still am navigating this because I still make this mistake. Like, like they might get upset over something that we wouldn't even, we need, we just deal with and move on. And we have to keep in mind that um, we've been deployed around the world. We've seen a lot of things that, that very few people have the chance to see. And it's not like we're privileged to see that, you know, from fighting wars. Um, maybe we are, but we just simply have had different perspectives than, than our friends, our family and our spouses. And we have to Mm -hmm. keep in mind that, that we need to be sensitive to, to what they may be experiencing because like I said, they just simply have different perspectives than us and we need to, um, close that gap. And you know, that's, that's always going to be a work in progress. It's a work in progress for me and my wife at this point. And to just remember that, that you need to work through those uh, trouble spots and to just simply, um, you know, I'm an engineer. So anytime we have trouble spots like that, I, I immediately want to jump into that problem solving. Problem solving, mode. yeah, troubleshoot. I want to, I want to take action to fix. Experiment. Issue. Trial. Yeah. Test. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes we just need to be the sounding board. Sometimes we just need to listen. We need to sit down and listen keep our mouth shut and listen to our spouses. And I suck at that. <laughs> and it's something that I'm working on uh, constantly. And I need to shut my engineering brain down sometimes because sometimes our friends and family don't want us to solve. There's not really a problem we need to solve. It's just, we need to be there to validate their feelings maybe. And, and you know, and even if we don't think if, if our opinion is that's not a big deal, that doesn't make their opinion any less um, true for them because what's true for them may not be true for us. And that's okay. I love that advice. It's, it's true on a thousand different levels and we can get lost so much in that, in that moment right there. They happen every day in our life in our marriage and our family. And so much of that advice can be applied to so many different areas. What is a resource or a book you would recommend to other military veteran dads? Um, man, I've got a, I've got a list, I've been compiling a list of all the books that I've read. Cause I, I've been, that's one, another area that I've uh, been trying to take a round turn on is like, I've, I read books, but I don't necessarily extract, um, some golden nuggets and actually apply them. So I've been starting to go through and compile, like go through the list of books that I've read and try to extract one golden nugget from each one. But I probably would say like my top book to, that I recommend to people is outwitting the devil by Napoleon Hill. And, and I would say this, this applies to um, military dads as well, because um, Napoleon Hill, he's in this book, he's supposedly interviewing the devil and extracting uh, the devil's secrets on how he wields control over, over, over the human mind. And he refers to this practice of hypnotic rhythm and drifting. And when I read this, like this book actually gave me some anxiety. <laughs> I and, haven't read it. I've heard it mentioned. I need to get, get move it up my list. Yeah, it's 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 an awesome book because, it, and it was it was written in the 1930s, and I think this book was ahead of its time because it a lot of the until like 1995 or something like the family. Kept, no, 2011. 2011, even later, like yeah. the family kept it a secret till then. Yeah, but. It, like he talks about how the education system, religion, all these institutions, and I'm not trying to purport that there's some sort of conspiracy theory, but so many people like they don't decide you, you get to decide what you believe, think and feel. You can decide that for yourself. Media and so many, you know, even, even I'm sitting here telling you, you know, you trying to influence that. you on how to think, act, and feel. Decide, you know, take take one nugget that, that really resonates with you today and apply it. 
not everything that I say is going to be applicable to everybody listening right now. So take, take the best, chuck the rest. And, and that's really what I extracted from this particular book. The part I often hear repeated is the, the devil wins when you, you're lying on your deathbed and you meet the version of yourself that you, you could have become. Absolutely. And that part, when I read that part, it's going to hit me hard because I've heard it repeated so many times. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a game changer. Like I remember when I first read it, like there was this, this section that I was like, I had, I have to read this part to my wife because, you know, she's not into the same uh, type of uh, books that I am, but I was like, wow, this, this really resonates with me. I just had to read it to her. And she's like, Oh man, that's really interesting. Can you read me some more of this book? And I ended up reading this book out loud to my wife while we were sitting down on the porch uh, for a little bit after I, after we put my uh, daughter to bed uh, for a little while, a couple years ago. So it's a real interesting read. And, and, um, you know, it's, 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 it's fiction. It reads like a fiction book. However, there's some real practical golden nuggets in there that you can apply and, and really change your, you know, really get your mindset, uh, um, get your mindset right. And what this, another thing that this book taught me is that, is that we do have control over our thoughts and that sometimes our first thought isn't the most productive or even relevant thought to maybe cast that first initial thought aside and rational, rationally think about a situation because that's the knee jerk reaction effect there, that, that first born thought and, and to really sit with your thoughts and become mindful of your thoughts. And that's, that's really what drove home the point of, you know, getting into a med- meditation practice every day is to be kind, cognizant of your thoughts and, and to observe your thoughts and, and decide whether your thought is, is productive or not towards um, whatever situation you might be in. I love that. And I've read, you're probably a fan of the Stoics as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I read the what, daily Stoic every day too. What you realize when you start following the Stoics is the human mind's been suffering from the same crap for 3,000 years. And if you read something from them, there's sometimes where you can't even tell whether it's 3,000 years old or whether it's a person that happened yesterday. Like literally the same just crap garbage goes through our head of limiting beliefs, self-doubt, well before the internet, well before life would be complicated. The only thing you had to worry about was where your food was going to come from. Absolutely. We're still yeah. having the same crap thoughts. Yeah. And, and what, another thing that surprised me is like the whole like commercialism pressures were very, very real back in those times too. Like, you know, like, Hey, you should buy this. Like, you know, we need to consume, consume, consume. Oh, c- consumerism. That was the word I wanted to use instead. Not commercialism. Consumers was uh, very relevant back then too. What is a parting piece of advice you want to leave for dads? Um, if you could wrap all your nuggets into one piece of advice. Yeah, I guess it is to, and we really didn't talk much about excuses here, even though I, <laughs> you run to show zero called excuses zero excuses. but, but one of the biggest things that I like to do is do exactly the opposite of what your excuses are trying to tell you to do. Like, for example, if you're a terrible public speaker, Hey, you know what? Maybe I should start a podcast or start, you know, blogging or start a video blog or whatever. So that's, that was kind of part of why I started the podcast was because, you know, I wasn't comfortable getting up in front of people and speaking and, and, you know, putting my thoughts down in a coherent or speaking my thoughts in a coherent manner. I was a terrible terrible at conveying my ideas and I'm still not great at it by any means, but, but I'm vastly better than I am uh, two years ago when I started the podcast. So, you know, whatever that excuse that's bubbling in your mind to prevent you from taking that bold action, just do exactly the, the opposite of it. I mean, if you can't eliminate your excuses, you might as well use them to your advantage. I'm a firm believer in letting your uh, fear be a, a compass that the more something scares you that your brain is actually installing that fear and putting that as a gap between whatever you're afraid of. But that's actually just something that would be super amazing. So I often think that the more something scares you, the more something's amazing on the other side and your brain is just literally putting this gap that's related to lions, tigers, and bears. 
but we don't have lions and tigers and bears, but our brain still puts these similar gaps in just like they were lions and tigers and bear. And so I, even this podcast, like this podcast I started because I didn't believe what I had to say was worth it. And by put, starting a podcast, I'm weekly proving that what I have to say is worth it. And people are continuing to give me feedback that, Hey, what you said really helped. And it's self limit, killing that limiting belief and limiting that excuse and continue to, although I haven't really given much thought of what the next excuse will be. Cause right now I'm, I'm currently kind of working on my public speaking one going to Toastmasters. I'm not sure what the big next big excuse that I start running towards or next fear mongering thing that I start running towards. Get up on stage and start speaking. That's my next step. Yeah, it's going to come. I, I did a little bit, a 20 person thing in Vegas back in February. So that's the smallest, but it was a nice little uh, opening one in the beginning. Absolutely, man. Well, Ken, Ken, Kenyon, this has been a great podcast. I really love the conversation that we had. And I know we brought some dads home in this conversation. Where can people follow you? Where's the easiest place to, if they want to connect with you? Well, uh, a couple places. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I, I think I'm the only Kenyan Zitska on this planet. So there's no excuse for you not to, to yeah, <laughs> no excuse for you uh, not to find me. And if you do find another Kenyan Zitska, you, you probably should introduce me uh, to him because, uh, it's going to be a magical like the, day. Yeah. Could, could be a magical, uh, maybe my doppelganger or whatever. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> squirrel. No. Uh, the other place you can find me is my website, kenyanzitska.com. And, uh, you can find the podcast there. Um, I, I've got all my links to all my social media accounts. I'm on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram. Also have a, uh, you know, if, if uh, YouTube's more your style than a podcast, um, you know, I've, I've been publishing my podcast directly to YouTube as well. Um, but if you want to subscribe to the podcast, just go to kenyanzitska.com slash iTunes. Um, and you know, if you're an iTunes uh, person, you know, you can just, uh, hit the subscribe button and also leave me a rating and review. And I'm also on pretty much everywhere that you can find podcasts. I'm on Spotify and, and all those, uh, big platforms as well. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's everywhere people can find me. Well, Kenyon, I really appreciate this episode and it's, I'm glad to have you as a friend now in my uh, circle and look forward to our future conversations. Oh yeah, man. Been a pleasure. Thank you. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet in iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.